anyway, okay. Mimi Shaheen. Johnny Katz. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming out. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. I haven't had you in here before and I'm looking forward to it because uh, we always hang out at gigs. We always see each other, but we've never sat down uh, to do my part and I appreciate that. So have a drink. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Uh, you just got here. We were talking about uh, showering with menthol. That's uh, <laughs> what we do. And yeah, it burns. Uh, she waxed and used it and she was going, uh, for it guys, burns. it fucking burns. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, I love that show. It's only two bucks, that shower gel, the mint one. It's do you really use the same one? I use I use the menthol one if I'm due for a wax. Yeah, but I'll never use it freshly after it was the worst. <laughs> like, and because like, you're you're really vulnerable, you're by yourself. Yeah. In the shower. Yeah. And I was just like, like, there's no one to help. Do you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> like I was panicky because I was like, when does the burning stop? And then I found like this thread on it on Facebook where people had experienced the burning. Mm. So it wasn't just me. Like, I felt better after that. Oh, that, that's good. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's your position on the laser? As in women getting laser? Yeah, the laser. Just women or anyone? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, just the girls that I talk to uh, about it, they love it. Yeah. But they're not so, they're not so like, it's not a hero because it does grow back. Yeah. They were promised it wouldn't, but. Uh, I, I did research on laser before I got laser. Um, Why did you do research on laser? Because I was scared. Because, yeah, it's a fucking laser beam zapping your hair away. It's a laser, yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I didn't get it. Um, when I first got laser, it was because, I'd, like, I'd love to say it's because, like, I'm a hairy Arab girl. But it's it wasn't that. Like, I actually, um, I've been lucky enough. Am I close enough to this? Yeah. Uh, you can come a little bit more if you want. Okay. Is yeah. that better? Perfect. Like this? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, it was because I, <laughs> what are the chances I'm going to kick off a pod with hair talk? Yeah, I It's, know. um... It was because I, I was I was probably like 19 or something. I went on the pill and then it made me sick. So I went off the pill and all my fair hair turned black. So I, f I flipped out and I was like, oh my gosh. That's a like, shit thing for a 19-year-old chick. Yeah, and one who thought she was relatively lucky. So because cause my the hairs were, and like I had like these sideies. <laughs> and I freaked out and I was like, like, what's this? And I, and I went to the doctor and I was just like, this is happening. Like, what? Look, where's this coming? And I started to like wear my hair like closer to my face and stuff because I didn't like wore it out because I was so like self-conscious about I was suddenly having sideburns and she was like oh did you come off the pill and I was like yeah she goes oh that's your hormones like that's what happens um what is actually happening do the hormones does the pill suppress the hormones and then well I think it's do you know what I wish I could be like knowledgeable about it but something about like the testosterone went up when like the like I came off the pill and then yeah just it gives you like manly stuff happens to your body. Um, so I was just, I mean, I didn't grow a dick or anything, but like that happened. And then I was just like, oh my gosh. And then she said, um, she's like, yeah, it's because of that. And I said, what, what do I do? And she's like, well, that's just how it is. Oh, like, fuck. why didn't you tell me this before I went, <laughs> went on this pill? So then, um, and then I, I went to get it lasered. Um, and I, yeah, I did all my research beforehand because I was scared they were going to make me shave my face or something. Yeah, a lot you of don't want to start doing that. Yeah, my friends had to actually shave their faces before it. And so I researched and my friend told me about one who's like a proper doctor, not just beauty therapist or whatever. And then they zapped it and yeah. So this so. is chicks you know were shaving their face. Well, they were, they were told to shave their face to prep before their laser appointments. And I didn't want to put a razor to my face. It's that scared right. me. Why do they do that? Oh, so they can get the actual root of mm. the hair. Yeah. But then this doctor guy who I went to, 
he was like, you don't need to shave your face. He's like, they shouldn't be making girls do that. So. Just the shit girls have to do before they go out is nuts. Yeah. It's too much. I'm very lucky that I'm a guy. You are very lucky. The care factor is like, it's a shirt, a quick shower. Sometimes I miss a patch at the back of my head and I get teased because I can't access it with the blade. (laughs) And people are like, you fucked up shaving your head. But that's about all the ridicule I get. I don't have to wear fake lashes. I don't have to put on fake nails. I don't have to tuck fillets into my bra. Yeah, neither. Do you miss? <laughs> no. Do you do you miss a bit because you can't see it, or because but you can reach it, you just don't see it? Yeah, there's a, there's a bone growth at the back of my head. I'm I'm very lucky that I've got a nice head. I think my head's like, and I say nice, like I'm fuck. I know my cousins are like, you got fucking nothing nice about your head. I know, but I'm just saying it's roundish. For yeah. a bald guy, I'm lucky to be this bald, not the fucking yeah. conehead bald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a bone growth on the back of my head um, that my mum reckons was there from birth, and she right. reckons it's my fault. I'm like, why is it your fault? She goes, because I was jealous. I wanted olives, and because I couldn't get them, an olive pip yeah. grew in your skull. I'm like, is that a fucking olive pip in my head? Yeah, yeah. Like, thank fuck you're not a doctor. What do you know? They're those wog suspicions. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. they say, oh, superstitions, but yeah. Does that exist as well in your culture? Yeah, like, my mum was uh, craving tabbouleh when she was pregnant with me, and there was one day she didn't get it, and then I've got a birthmark on me. It's like a it's like a lighter patch of skin that looks like a parsley leaf. So they say things like that. Yeah, that's that's indicative of Greek culture as well. It's very similar. It's very, very similar. Well, it's, yes, because you're Syrian. Yeah. Uh, by uh, birth, birth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Mediterranean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like a couple of thousand kilometers away from Greece, I guess. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I was gonna say, if you get a mirror, why don't you hold a mirror behind your head, then face the mirror, and then you'll see where you're missing. Yeah, I've uh, now got one <laughs> to remedy that. But sometimes when you're in a rush. Yeah. Fair enough. Have you ever forgotten stuff like that when you're in a rush and you just leave and you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't do this? Mm, you know? No, I'm pretty like good with that, but I'll, it'll be silly things. Like I'll leave for a gig. Like I would have gotten ready, everything's done, but then I would have been walking around the house in my thongs or something. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't change my shoes. Mm. So I always keep a spare pair. I feel like I'm rushing everywhere. Mm. But on the laser with what girls say just quickly, but I, have to, I feel like I have to say it. Sometimes it doesn't come back. Sometimes it does. Yeah, I thought it went away forever, but it doesn't. No, but some places it just needs like six shots and it's done. Other places, like depending on how hormonal or how their hair grows, they need to keep going back. Is it harder for wog chicks? I don't know. They say that wog chicks have the best. I don't know why I'm stuck on this. I just feel like I needed to answer it properly. Like it's their, because they're pale skin with dark hair. So they're they're like that's the best for laser to find it. Yeah, whereas fair hair not so much, and then darker girls, because like they're at risk of like being burnt by the laser. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just really had to say that. No, I'm glad just, you did. Yeah. Got it out. Um, I did. So uh, we're doing a gig together in Colac mm. in a couple of days' time. Yeah. I uh, know we have done the gig already. I wonder how it went. <laughs> Uh, it's happening this Friday. I'm pre-recording, but, uh, obviously, so, uh, you've been gigging now for three, no, seven years, not three. This you sent me this bio <laughs> that you'd been gigging for three years. And I'm like, who the fuck wrote this? Oh my God. I don't know who wrote it. And I don't, there's thought... someone racist in your set called Barbara. And I, I said it was her. Yeah. Yeah. It's just 
three years. That said, they she's been doing comedy just over three years. An ex, I don't know what this means. An ex Syrian refugee. Ex Syrian, I think ex Syrian as in you left Syria and now you're an Aussie. Am I an ex refugee because of a visa status? I'm an immigrant. I wasn't a refugee. Yeah. Bizarre. And then they said I was well liked. Have you gotten to the bottom of that? Because someone has doctored that bio of you. I do need to message like the one that booked me just to ask the question to be like, who, who wrote this? But I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but it's just a very bizarre, like it's, it's blatant mistruths in there. Um, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know where they got their info from. They said you've been gigging for three years when you've been gigging for seven. Yeah. So is there a chance that they got a bio from way, way, way long time ago. I don't know. On page of, 10 of Google search and just copied it. I don't know. None of my bios say how long I've been going. So that's right. why it's bizarre. Unless yeah. someone else somewhere has written something or I don't know. Yeah. It'd be good to get to the bottom of that. Cause uh, I've never, that made me laugh when I read that. I was like, who the fuck writes, writes that? It was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. That's why I sent it to you last time. I'm like, who wrote this? Cause I thought maybe they wrote one for you as well. And maybe yours was bizarre, but I, yeah, I don't know. Nothing. No. Um, so, ex-Syrian, but you were you were born in Syria, but you came here really young, yeah. very young. Yeah, right. Um, how old were you when you got here? I think eighteen eighteen months, almost two. Eighteen months. Yeah. Okay, so complete no memory of the past. I've got strangely enough, I do have memories that I didn't realize I had. I didn't realize they were memories. I thought I'd just I'd have dreamt them or something, but then I'd say them, and my mum's like, "Oh yeah." That's this place or that's that place. I'm like, so somewhere in there from like my toddler stages, I must remember something. Really? But I got a freaky memory. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say that is a freaky memory because memory doesn't really kick in until three or that's, two and a half, that's three, right. four. Yeah. 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 But I've got this freaky memory and then like, I th- maybe like a bit of a photographic memory and, um, yeah. So I didn't know that that was me remembering stuff because when I think of concrete memories, it's all here. I don't remember stuff from back there, but then I've got these images. Do and if you know I what describe image them, you have, like from 18 months? Yeah, I remember I said to my mum something like, um, and this would have been like a few years ago. I was, my, uh, my brother moved into his house with his, with his wife, like the house that they bought a few years ago. And then the tiles in there, there was these tiles, like these big, yeah, like brown, they're gorgeous tiles. Um, and I was like, these tiles remind me of something. And my mum was like, what do they remind you of? I go, I don't know, but like, wouldn't it be cool to have like a tortoise crawling across the, like I, something that was in my head and I said it like something really bizarre. And she goes, that's really weird. She's like in Syria at your aunt, like, at her auntie's house. She's like, she used to have a pet tortoise and you'd, you'd sit on it and just move around the house with it. And she's like, these are the tiles that they had. So it was just, it's just stuff like that. That no pops way. up. Bizarre, bizarre things. I know. Yeah. Wow. Like if I hadn't commented on the tiles, I wouldn't have known that that's a real memory. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, so you would sit on a tortoise. <laughs> Fuck, how cool. Yeah. They would have a pet tortoise. Yeah, I asked about it. I was like, what's the go with this tortoise? Like, because when my mom told me about it, and I was like, what's the go with this tortoise? And she's like, when her parents were alive, she's like, um, her dad brought three of them home, like as little, little baby ones. And my mom's mom was like, and I don't say grandma or grandpa because I never met them. So I, it's always like my mom's mom, my mom's dad. And she was like, um, my yeah, my mom's mom was like, don't, I don't want these around the house. Like, get rid of them. And so he tried to keep them. Two of them went missing, but he'd given one to my mom's auntie who was my mom's mom's sister. Okay. And so she kept this little one and it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, what 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 do your parents tell you about um, the life they live here versus the life they had in Syria growing up as kids when it was peacetime? Like, how does it compare? Uh, they it's always like spoken about really fondly, and it's everything like they mention now. It's always like a like a haram Syria, like like what's happened to it is awful kind of thing. Yeah. Like that life is so much better here. Like they're very lucky to be here. Yeah. Um, considering what's happening now. Um, but yeah, it's spoken of really fondly, really nice, really peaceful. It's not, there's nothing that is everything they've ever told me about has always made me want to go there. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's an incredible disservice that, uh, some of us do towards Middle Eastern countries where we have no idea what's going on politically, but yet we know the plight of Ukraine and so on and so forth. But could you, for like, for dummies, tell me what happened in Syria? It, can you do that, like, in a nutshell? Like, there was peacetime and then the peace was fractured like this. Like, how did it... Yeah, I, w- I want to, but I think that um, because my political beliefs are so strong, they're going to shine through what I explain. And I could potentially, like, I, I might get overly passionate about it. But from, well, in, the- in a nutshell, from what I've understood as an, as an outsider, let's say, um, that there's a particular group of people who feel like they, um, it wasn't equal what was being provided by the country or by the government to the people. Because from what I understood before, everything was that everyone was treated quite well. Like, and then, you know, the, you know how many religions are there in Syria, um, and that there hasn't always been this tension between religions, but I think... All right, wait, wait, wait. sorry, you're going too fast. So, sorry. So Syria, um, it's a democracy at this time before? No, it was no. still it was still a dictatorship. So it's a dictatorship? Yeah, it was a... Di- I mean, yeah, on paper, yeah, it's a dictatorship. Okay, so, yeah. it's, okay, so dictatorship and there's... Um, uh, equal footing of Christian and Muslim, like 50-50 or? No, the population is still majority Muslim. Majority Muslim. Still okay. majority Muslim. And I'm sure that issues existed and, and whatever, but like what what I'm sort of thinking is like, I know that's like with my parents, like my mum had like Jewish neighbours on one side and then Muslim parents on the other and we're Orthodox or they were Catholic, whichever. Um, like so my it's mom, like a Melbourne street. Yeah. Like, yeah, way back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they got along. It wasn't, there wasn't this thing going on. But I think now everyone sees it as quite, um, uh, you know, like tense that the religions don't get along. But there, there is a fracture there with like one like one particular sect of, of Islam who feel that the government weren't being, yeah, well, that they weren't, they weren't treating everyone equally. So, okay. And what was that? Was that the um, extremist faction? They they call they refer to them as extremists or as the rebels. Okay, it depends how which side of the fence. It you're depends on. which side of the fence you're on, and that's why I'm I'm not I'm not picking one or saying whichever because it just it'll look really wrong, right? You know, like which with with whatever I say, I mean it's probably it's probably like assumed where I'm coming from as a Christian though. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like they were always it was always like oh the government are doing a great job. I never once thought that I was that I'd be looking at Syria being like oh, it's a dictatorship. Do you know? Yeah, because it never it was never described that way. Even though it was under a dictator, it still is under a dictatorship. Yeah, you know? is it the same guy that's always been? It's so it's his son. So there's like so right. the one that's in power right now. Like so the one that they're trying to overthrow, the rebels are trying to overthrow. Yep, is and with America's help and everything like that. So that's that's Bashar al-Assad, and before that was his dad. Right, and now 
So America want him gone, but Russia are helping him. Correct. Right. Fuck. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. And that's why they say, like, it's not fair, it's not a democracy, because his dad passed away in 2000, and he just right away slipped in. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, whereas I think, I'm pretty sure, like, he was a doctor, and he's very, like, westernized, and was in the UK, and, like, is worldly, and then all of a sudden he's, like, in Syria, suddenly president of the country. You know, it's very Godfather-like. Like, he's very Michael Corleone. He's taken it over with probably not the desire to. What's he got on his plate now? Like, how fucked is the country? What can he do? What would you do if you were in his position? How bad is it? Is there a hospital? Is there a functioning public transport system? Are, are houses disheveled and blown up? Or is there infrastructure? I think so. When when the Civil War kicked off in 2011, I think it was. So everything that... um. You know, like we keep on hearing, like, and we see the damage that's being done, and it looks like the whole country is turning to absolute shit. Um, and I think it is. I mean, if you look at the currency exchange, like, I, it's usually you can judge how bad a country is doing no by shit. the dollar exchange, yeah. right? So um, it's quite bad. But, like, at the same time, I can sometimes, like, I can sometimes overhear my parents on a call with, like, my uncles who are like, oh, we're in Syria for the summer, we're at a festival. And I'm like, oh, so there's still, there's still stuff happening, whereas I kept on picturing it in such rubble do you, do you know what i mean so yeah, totally yeah yeah like and you, you can't help it because we're so far away yeah because just... i was gonna ask you how are like how are your parents uh mentally responding to that because i know if greece was in a similar situation i would be able to read my parents faces yeah that, that there's you know the the darkness you know there's, there's a lot of grief well I, I feel like there's just there's a grieving for what they knew the country to be no, and the yeah. siblings are there and all that? And... No, so, well, I mean, a couple of them were not in places that were hugely affected. A lot of the other ones, um, like my dad's side, a lot of them are here. My mum's side, they're in like Emirates and Saudi, but they have summer homes like in, in Syria. And because those homes are in like a Christian area, they were they were really targeted by the rebels because they, they'll know a Christian home. Um, and so this is just like a holiday house. So picture like a holiday house up in Rye. And then you go back to it after a couple of years when it's probably safer for you to check it out. And it's all just been destroyed. Mm. And there's just things on the wall. Like there's really, like, I know my cousin said to me that um, they went back to the holiday house like a few years after, maybe like three, four years after. And what had happened was like, um, like she'd gone into her, my friend, my cousin's friend had gone into her bedroom and they'd found like, so the rebels had actually like found all these photos of like her and her friends and just drawn dicks on them probably ejaculated on some of them, like just this really disgusting kind of behavior and then left it there for them to find. Like just, re just really gross things like that. I'm like, it's just so, it's such a violation of like your, just your stuff. Like it's not just war and landmines and like bombs and stuff. Like this is, there's like other smaller things that, you know, are quite harmful just to your mental health. I feel um, just to come back to your place and find your stuff. Damaged, Absolutely, you're, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're a fully fledged soldier, and you still got time for cock and balls. Yeah, with a sharpie. It's bizarre. 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 Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, who are these rebels? Are they? Uh, I still can't work it out. Like, what the fuck is going on there? It's just. Mm. Well, it's it's. I I'm probably I'm not gonna. I I won't go into it too much, but like from what I've understood, it's like a. Um, yeah, it's, I, I won't say. I won't say just in case. Right. Because I don't want to look like I'm targeting anyone when I'm not, do you know? Okay.
But are these rebels? Are these rebels back? No, these rebels are not backed by Russia. These rebels are being backed by America. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I get. It. Okay, so yeah. these rebels are being backed by America, and the current government is being backed by Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an awful situation for Syria to be in. It's a really, really nasty one, especially when you see like refugees. And you don't know which side the refugees are on. Like the refugees could be rebels, the refugees could be government supporters. And either way, these people are still trying to live and survive. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's very, that's why I say like I'm not, I really am not on a side. I'm not on a side, but I do really feel for the whole country itself. Like my heart breaks for the country of Syria. And I don't think in my head like, oh, fuck the rebels or we're on the right side. This is how it should be. I feel really I feel really hurt for the country. Do you think you know how it can be fixed? Absolutely not. The Middle East will never have peace. The Middle East will never have peace. It's it's centuries and decades of like bloodshed. There's yeah. no way. It's kind of profound when you say it because a lot of people say it. You hear it a lot. And you say that because there's no it's like you're in a maze and you can't find the way out. There's, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. There's no way out of this. Correct. Unless you wiped the whole country and started fresh with all new people. Yeah. Ones that have no connection to the ones that existed before. Yeah. It'll never happen. Yeah. And even if you did that with Syria and you kept Lebanon and Jordan and uh, like Iran and Iraq and you kept them all the same, the people from in there are going to be like, do you know what you know what the history of this country was? And it's going to turn people. So it's going to start all over again. I know. Yeah, you know you're right. I mean? Yeah. So it'll never happen. All right. You know how wogs hold grudges. Imagine that on a worldwide platform. Forever. Forever. And then it gets passed down generation to generation. Yeah, fuck. I've lost friends who are, who, who are like, I don't want, like the Free Syrian Army. They're the, they're the rebels, right? That's what they call themselves, the Free Syrian Army. The American-backed rebels. FSA, correct. FSA, okay. Yeah. And they're, so they're the ones that are like, no, we want to overthrow this Assad. president, Assad, right? And so like I've got friends who are supporters of that. And I'm like, do they want to bring in democratic elections or do they want? It's like a, it's been described as like, it's been described. So anyone who's backing the rebels is like, oh, it's the lesser of two evils because Assad's Assad's running a dictatorship. Yeah. And then it's going to be like rebels running the country. So if rebels are going to be running the country and it's going to be one of them, and I believe they're Sunni. So if it's going to be one of them, like, are they? And it's not all Sunnis who are. It's like, not all, not all Sunnis, but like, it's a, it's a sect. It's a small group that are. That this is what I've, you know, learnt. Um, but if like, if they were going to run the country, how's it going to be for other people? Mm. You know, so how's it going to be for Druze? How's it going to be for Christians? How's mm. it going to be? You know what I mean? So, and then it's like for them, they're like, oh well, if Assad's running it, you know, like other the other side saying like it's a lesser of two evils if Assad's running it it's going to be in shit hands with both of them but we have a preference for one do you know so but I've got friends who are like we can't be friends because you're you're not on board with this right and I'm just like but we've been friends for so long like why just because we're on two different sides I'm like we're in Australia man like do you know what I mean uh, I kind of do, yeah. So now there's like all this division. That's why you're so reluctant to talk about it. Yeah, because it makes it look like I'm saying sure. fuck one side and I'm not, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, well, I won't go there for too much longer. I remember watching, uh, I remember going, to, when I was living in London, there was a soccer match. This is a bit off topic, but just mm. the right, like, I understand there's two factions in Muslim. Uh, I remember there was a soccer match in um, in South London. 
and Iran was playing. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the fans of uh, English soccer club Millwall were playing Iran in an exhibition-friendly match. And I didn't understand it. It took me a while to kick in. But the uh, Millwall fans were all uh, cheering and screaming, you're Shiite and you know it. So, um, as in you're shite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I found that funny. But um, Yeah, there's a divide. There's a massive divide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you care much about politics here? Like it's all, it's coming up and I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't want to vote for Labour because I have to, if I vote for Albanese, I have to vote for local Labour and the local Labour is this Turkish guy, Oscar Yildiz, who came into my pub. I poured him a beer and he complained that the beer tasted like shit and then wanted his money back. And I'm like, I'm not voting for you, you cunt. Like, fuck you. So, <laughs> and he's a Turk. I'm like, <laughs> so I don't know how to vote. What would you, would you pick a Turk over a Macedonian though? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Unless a Turk knows what he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. And <laughs> No, I don't care about politics here. I don't. <laughs> oh, it's all kicked off. <laughs> No, look, to be honest, I don't know much about the Macedonian conflict. I, I got a, I was, that was just a joke. I got no idea what's going on. I really don't. I just, I think Alexander the Great was Greek. Oh, that's, that's, but here like, we go. I was going to be like, I'll give him a minute before Alexander the Great. Is <laughs> really? One minute. And then, yeah, you, you delivered. You delivered. I don't nah, know. It just feels, it just feels like regardless of what, who's going to be leading Australia, it's like, I just always feel like, it's always going to be safe. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. It's so hard to like. So you to... want the green blanket or the purple blanket? They're both going to feel gonna the same. The, they're both going to have their pros and cons, but I don't have to walk outside and worry about blowing up. I don't yeah. have to worry about my family, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, like being a Christian here is like, it's not going to affect my life. Yeah. Do you know? So I've often judged countries um on how free their comedians are. Mm. Um so I'm yeah, I'm a bit <laughs> cautious of going to Hong Kong to do stand up even though there's a wonderful English speaking comedy club mm-hmm. in Hong Kong um because of China and their anti-defamation clause in their yeah. terrorist contract saying if you defame us it's considered an act of terrorism yeah. punishable by nine years in jail yeah so i'm like oh i don't know if i'll go to hong kong yeah i've for heard a tight 10 year set yeah like, i've heard horror stories like i've heard scary stuff yeah so i think about comedians i mean like yeah i would vote for a politician that was yeah <laughs> i will let comedians Tear shreds off me. Go for your life. <laughs> I think that's indicative of a healthy culture and a healthy society. It's true. Mm. Freedom of speech is such a big deal. Everyone takes it so so much for granted here. They do. Our last protest, I've said this on stage, you've heard it. Our last protest was on e-scooters in Melbourne. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's how good our country is. Yeah. And, and don't get me started on the anti-vax protests. I was like, what a fuck, you're a fucking bunch of losers. Yeah. You're wasting your lives. Yeah. Like, just the fact that you can do it. The fact that you can just do that. Get it. They're on the Westgate. They're on the Westgate singing I horses. I know. Do you know what I mean? 
Did like Daryl his... Braithwaite release a statement going, leave my fucking song alone? Did he? I don't know. No he way. shut up. I've been doing that bit so long, I didn't know. Did he? No, I don't know. <laughs> he hasn't said boo. Maybe he's pro. Do you reckon he's noticed? Has, would he even know? Oh, he fucking has. He would have known. It's the Westgate Bridge. Tweet him. <laughs> it's the Westgate Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Wogs hate the Westgate Bridge. Yeah. Do they? We, well... It fell down and killed a whole heap of wogs, remember? No. Oh, my mum heard it from Brunswick. Really? The day the bridge fell, my mum heard it from Brunswick. When was this? Poor, oh, you got me. I don't know. Uh, late 70s, I'll Google it. But it definitely... I, didn't, I had no idea. So the Westgate collapsed. What, was it over a church? Like, where were they? Uh, the Westgate Bridge collapsed on the 15th of October, 1970, two years into construction of the bridge at 11.50 a.m., 15th of October. Uh, the span between the bridge collapsed to the ground, blah, 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 when it wasn't fastened properly by Costas. Oops. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But yeah, they fucked it up and it collapsed. Yeah. But Heaps what, of people died. What wogs did it kill? Were they... Um, protesting? What, like, what? No protesters, just um, new Australians working on the bridge. Oh, they're the ones Laborers. working on it. Yeah. And it collapsed while they were working on it. Yeah, and my neighbour kept gloating till I became 19 years of age. He's a Croatian guy with a fucked back, but he had the best compo payout from the bridge because he was working on the bridge. Mm. And he goes, me very bad back, but now I'll never work again. Good pie <laughs> from the government. Good pie. I was on the Westgate. Oh, my God. Well, it's ironic that they're angry about it, but they're the ones that were building it and it collapsed. Yeah. So that's whose fault is it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, wogs can't blame themselves for anything. They're the victims all the time. Every time. Every time. Does your mum love a good worry story? Yeah. Something to worry about? It's always... <gasps> oh, that she loves that. Yeah. And so whenever I hear that gasp, I'm like, oh. I'm sorry I said anything. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm probably doing a disservice to my mum here, but they're a different generation. <laughs> but she's got a rental. And she's like, I don't want Indians in there next time. I'm like, why? She's like, because the cooking. The cooking. Yeah. She's like a painter had to do four layers, a primer. We can't get the smell out. Yeah, they have no qualms saying it. Yeah, and then it's like a Seinfeld episode because the real estate agent's Indian. So how do you sell that <laughs> idea? And then, um, yeah, fuck. They do. They say, I was talking to one of my friends today and we were talking about how, because she was like, oh, Arabs are brutal with what they say. Like, you know, they'll, they'll like write in your face. They were like, oh, you look nice in your face. Mm. Like, you know, it's like you've put on weight or like, oh, everything's so... Yeah, you've really grown into your into your skin. Like you're a pretty young woman, but yeah, that nose, your auntie's nose, and like they'll just they'll keep going until you until you crack. <laughs> like they just keep going and going. Like they have no qualms about just yeah. telling you you blossomed a bit, you know. Yeah. Like they say, they just say it. They just yeah. say it. Like there's no, they don't care about your feelings. They do. You're definitely right. And um, a quality that I've noticed working at the mall. Uh, well, I can't say where, but it's um. It's a lot of Arabic people, <laughs> and I don't know if it's indicative of Arabic people, but they generally, all of them possess a quality 
that none mm. others really use a lot. And I'm being sincere. Tell me. Humbleness. They're oh. always very humble. Are It's they? a trait. Like, uh, shukran, shukran, habibi, shukran. If I make them a coffee, it's always shukran, thank you, thank you. Yeah, they're yeah. always very like... Yeah. And they're always trying to sell me shit. Very business-minded. What do they try to sell you? Suits <laughs> in the boot <laughs> with the price tag attached. <laughs> oh, my God. Where's okay, where'd you get them from? A friend, 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 friend. Yeah, everyone's friend. a friend. Okay, why is the coat hanger still on there? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a friend. Yeah. They're very, they're, we're a generous people. We're mm. generous. Do you know? Very. There's a lot of giving, a lot of generosity, but then, you know. Like I grew up in, you know, Coburg, Brunswick. Mm. No, wonderful, wonderful times. One thing I couldn't understand is why the Turks were insulted when you called them Arabic. Mm. They fucking hated that. Growing up in high school, if you wanted to upset a Turk, you'd call him an Arab. Wow. Yeah, I didn't get that. Do you And get I still, it now? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't Do get you? it either. No, no mm. idea. They fucking hate it. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's because Ataturk in 1933 pulled them away from, you know, they told women they don't have to wear a hijab and they tried to make them, Ataturk moved them more towards Europe. Interesting. Tried to westernize them. Interesting. My best friend's Turkish. I'm going to ask her. Ask her, yeah. Yeah. Is she single? That'd be funny for my mum. Poor. How would she take that? She wants me to hook up, but with a Turk, do, 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 that'll make her head explode. She goes, I want him to marry and have kids, but not with, with a Turk. God, I can't wait for the gasp. <gasps> yeah. I got the gasp. I got her. She lives down at Rye Rosebud. Mm -hmm. She's got a nice little beach home there. And uh, I made a gasp bad because I went to Bunnings to buy stuff at Rosebud. And I went, have you seen what's happening next door to the Rosebud? She's like, what? They're building a mosque? <gasps> did you Did you do that? <laughs> yeah, she gasped. <laughs> like I told you, I don't think she's racist. Well, she probably is, but I don't know. It's fucking cute. I get off on it. It's a buzz. Yeah, I laugh. I laugh when it happens because I know like outwardly, I know they're going to be nice to everyone. There's no way, like, there's never going to be to someone's face. It's never going to say anything. No, I mean, we grew But with, up. With us, when we hear it, I'm just like, you're so abruptly confident in how you're saying this to me. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. It's like the comfort level. The comfort level, yeah. And yeah. this is at a time where growing up in Coburg, we had uh, Arabic neighbors and... My mum minded their kids and we went over their house to be minded by their yeah. parents. And when all the, sh when we were, because our parents were working shifts at factories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were no social services back then. So we were allowed to just go into each other's houses. Yeah. And there was this wonderful element of trust amongst the neighbors. Yeah. Um, whether it be Greeks, Italians, Turkish, Lebanese, Croatians, Serbians, all in my street. Mm. Um, It was just this, yeah, like it was it's, synchronized culture that yeah. we all understood. I think because you, they, you know, they brought it with them. Do you know mm. what I mean? They brought it with them. I think it was the same where, like, I grew up in a really, really Aussie area, like really, really Aussie. Now, p before I've heard this, but I yeah. want I want to hear it again because uh, mm, which part? What do I? Your father's, in my opinion, your father's a very smart man because 
the the mass migration of Arabic people was Coburg and Brunswick, but and your father he opted out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. So that's part. Okay, um, yeah, no. So when we got here, we were in Coburg, uh, Brunswick. We lived just off Moreland Road. So every time I'm down here, like I'm like, oh, you live like, just off Moreland Road. Yeah, yeah. Where? Um, I don't. I can't remember the street name. But it was like probably like the third one down. So if you turn right into Moreland Road off Sydney Road, it's like the third one down. We're right near a laundromat. I remember that much. The um, Carl? Or no, one after the Carl near the laundromat. Yeah, like right near the laundromat. I remember that much. I'd have to like confirm the name of the street. Um, but yeah, so that's where we were. So that's why like people down my way are just like, oh, I always thought you'd be from the northern suburbs. And I'm just like, well, we kind of were there. But then everyone up here is like, you're too proper to be like a wog from the northern suburbs and I'm like that's because I worked for a long time to get rid of this accent like I did and I had to work very hard to get rid of it and it comes out only when I'm angry now so (laughs) when so then yeah when we got here my dad saw um he just saw a lot of like yes like a lot of Arabs like settled here and stuff like in this area and that they were like stooging the system like Centrelink I think it was called like SES or something back then um, and they were all just like, it's like, oh, I'm injured. Oh, I got a disability. Oh, my, like, whatever. And so he was just like, he goes, this is not where I want to bring up my kids because my parents valued education really badly. And he was like, the Aussies seem to be really proper in this country. <laughs> so <laughs> we just moved down south. Like, we just moved yeah. down there. So, yeah, the area I was in was very Aussie. But because we were on a shopping strip, like, it was just a, it was a, a road with just shops everywhere. So there was like a grocer's, they were Egyptian. There was a pizza shop, they were Greek. There was another pizza ah. shop, they were Turkish. And then there was another place, it was Italian. There was a deli, they were Italian. So there was a Chinese restaurant. So everyone there that ran something was like ethnic. So it was all very multicultural. And we were like that, the kids, because our parents were always working. They didn't, we didn't get taken out. We didn't, we didn't do stuff. So the kids are just in and out of each other's homes, like shops. You know, you run in through the front, you run through the shop, you run out to the back of their house if they lived there. Or we were just all hung around like in the back car parks. And we just, we all sort of just meshed. You yeah, know? right. Um, all different cultures. It was just really, it was nice. Mm. Um, but some of us, because everyone was new, we all couldn't speak English. So <laughs> we just communicated. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. We just communicated and like some English was good, some wasn't. But we all just mixed. and. How old were you at this time, your first memory of that? So I was like three or four. Yeah. I would have been three or four. And I remember like, because like some of the Aussie kids who lived around the corner were customers at my parents' milk bar. Like I was the youngest of everyone. So they would just take me, they'd either dink me on their bike or they'd put me on their skateboard. Like I was always just sort of dumped somewhere in like a trolley and I just, just taken with them <laughs> wherever they're going. It's where I learned to swear. Yeah. It was the first decent smack I got was because I learned to swear. Like, imagine you can't speak English, but suddenly I, I know how to say fuck. Yeah. You know, my dad lost it. So, but yeah, it was different. It was what different. was the school like there? Because you would have been the odd one out. Were you the only? I was one of the only. Yeah. Um, but it was like early 90s and there was like an influx of Turks in that sort of five-year period that settled in Mentone as well. Okay. So there was a few Turks, but not not so much with me. Like, I was one of the only, um, like, non-Anglo mm. students here. Did you fight at school a lot with other chicks? In high school? Yeah. There was a couple of fights, yeah. Like, after, after September 11, suddenly I was targeted. I was one of, like, three Arabs in the whole school. You're kidding. Yeah. So after September 11, after September, kids, how, like ca- ridiculous. kids came back to school and gave you lip. 
Yeah, it was like the day. I remember the day after September 11, or like what the day the of. Fuck. I would have. Been, I was in year ten. It was 2001. So I was like 15, and I'd never thought like that something that's happening somewhere else is gonna like. It was my first awakening to like world events are affecting no who I am or how people view me. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, quite an eye opener. Yeah, yeah. Day after, someone's just like, "Who he is Arab?" And I'm just like. What, do you put your hand up and go, is this a census? Oh. oh, yeah. And then I suddenly got my back up and I was like, why are you asking? Oh, fucking Arabs are all fucking terrorists. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? I was like, are you kidding me? I was just, and like I had attitude by then. In primary school, I took a lot of shit though in primary school. But like, I think I, I had my voice by 15 and I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, what is this? You know? And it was all of a sudden like, you know, class is over. Tense? Yeah, of people getting people. I was getting slammed against the locker. I had a clump You're of her joking. hair in my hand by the end of it. Like it was, it turned physical. And I'd only been in two physical altercations before that in earlier high school. Non-Arab related. Just that one. <laughs> Just that one. So that experience made you realize, okay, the rest of the world can affect my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was weird. Like in, in primary school, I was I was bullied like severely bullied, but I was. Why were like, you bullied in primary school? Well, I, I look different. I look different and I didn't look like the other kids. I couldn't speak English for a while. Like, I mean, I, there was like the first, I mean, I was in prep grade one and my English was very off. Like I was, I couldn't grow like, cause my parents were English teachers back home, but only spoke Arabic to me sure. in the house. So yeah. I'm just like, okay. And so like, I remember there was this, there was this, this boy who was a year older than me. And he would, for whatever reason, I think because I was quiet, like I was really mute, really shy. Um, and I was, I'm still a shy person, but he would come up to me and he would, he would grab my bum, like, and then just laugh. And I would try to run away and he'd laugh more when I tried to run away. And so I tried to go to a teacher once and I was like, I'm like this boy. And I'm telling her, like, I'm trying to say, I'm like, I remember trying to tell her, I was like, this boy hitting me here. Like I'm telling her. And she was just like, go on, Mimi, go play. Just go play. <laughs> He's all right. No, Mitchell's just being funny, aren't you, Mitch? Go ahead and play. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, they're not listening. They weren't listening to me. And I couldn't tell my parents because something in, in my whole being was like, if I told my dad this, he's going to kill this kid, right? Mm. There was something about it in my head that made it feel like this is not okay to tell my dad. Um, I had to watch myself. And then I think I just got so sick of it one day and I was like this, just this kettle that was just ready to explode. And I was like, for, the, for some reason that day, I was in a mood. I was only like four or five years old, but I was like, today, he's not going to fucking get me today. Like, I've been putting up with this for months. And I was ter- I'd go to school terrified. Like, I was just petrified. Like, the moment I saw him, like, my heart, everything, I would just freak out. Um, and <laughs> do you remember Kanga Cricket in primary school? Yes. Like, with the yellow bats? Absolutely. You just made me hear the noise it made when you hit the punk, yeah. the hollow bat. <laughs> yeah. So, there was, like, this this yellow, like, plastic Kanga Cricket bat. And I went out to recess with it. I kept it with me, right? Now, he he came to sort of grab me like he usually did. Uh, so he'd come from behind to squeeze He'd come ass. from behind and he'd just like squeeze it and then laugh. And he's, he's like, ha-ha, Mimi, ha-ha. And like he was, he was a very welfare type kid. Like you could tell he wasn't being looked after at home. Mm. Anyway, he's probably in some big high paying job now as a CEO. I will find you. <laughs> Pinching <laughs> bums everywhere. Oh, he's probably cancelled by now. If probably. That's, his, that's the way he gets around. <laughs> if he's alive, I don't know how, if he made it or not, this kid. But um, 
I just remember like. So he came up to you. He came up and I've turned around with the bat, right? Oof. Imagine like this, this is a five-year-old girl who just does it. Like my hair's probably in pigtails because mom was like, I don't want you to get head lice. And she sprays it and it's all tight. And I'm like this. <laughs> and so I've turned around with the bat and I've gone to swing at him. So he, he runs and I'm like, oh, he's scared. Like, so something in me was like, he's scared. This is good. This is good. Like I can defend myself. He took off running and I thought that was enough. But it yep. wasn't. I so I ran after him, and he ran into the boys' toilets, and it didn't stop me. I just saw red. Yeah, so I ran into it. the boys' toilets, and I beat him. I beat him, Johnny. <laughs> like, well, like fucking Joe Pesci style in Goodfellas. I, I beat him, stomping on the. I'm shoot. telling you, the Kanga cricket bat was like the first couple of hits. Then when he was on the floor, Jesus. the bat's gone, and I. Went psycho. I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> I just went psycho, right? I almost blacked out, I reckon. And then, like, the recess bell went off. I went back to class and I everything. I am just went back to class. I remember we were colouring in cats that day. And then I don't know how long, how much time had passed. but <laughs> colouring I remember I was colouring, like, a picture of a cat. And then um, I get called to the principal's office, right? So I went in and my dad's there. My dad's in the principal's office and the principal's like, Mr. Shaheen, we we don't condone violence at this school. And he's like talking and he's just like, now Mimi has gone in there and she has beat up Mitchell. And he's, he's telling me, he's like, she has beaten him black and blue. The boy's not recognisable, Mr. Shaheen. And I, he's like telling this. And my dad's like, okay, okay. Like, okay. Like, I don't, my, I don't, my dad's probably like, what the fuck? Like, what? And then, yeah, like he's just... Like, the principal wasn't acknowledging me because I feel like he'd known. I feel like I'd been talking about this kid for a long time. So I wasn't being acknowledged. And then my dad had to, like, take me home that day because I wasn't allowed to go back to class. And I just remember I was sitting in the passenger seat, like, like tiny, just in this passenger seat with, like, this big seat belt. And we're driving and my dad's, like, my dad lights a cigarette. <laughs> you know, they used to smoke in the car with you. My dad lights a cigarette. He goes, yeah. And he goes, he goes, did you? In Arabic, he's like, did you really beat up a boy? Because the kid was bleeding, mate. Like, I don't know what I did to him, but well, he's you, like... You blacked out from your belting him. Yeah, I was in a rage. I was in a, it was months of torment. And then... So dad's gone, did you really beat him up? He goes, did you really do that to that boy? And I was like... I just remember I looked at my dad and I was like, yeah. And he goes, why? And I, that fear was in me again. Like, I can't tell him why. And oh, I was, no. So I've just gone to my dad... I don't know. Oh, now your dad thinks you're a psycho. Me and him. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I couldn't say it. I just couldn't say it. So, I still haven't mentioned that, I don't think. you got to tell your dad. you got to get closure. So I should probably tell him. Tell him. I should, yeah. I'm still, I'm 36 and terrified of what he might, what's he going to do? <laughs> your dad will be under his breath just went, fucking Arabic chicks, man. I know he would have. He would have been like, "What happened?" Because I was the kind of kid you drop me off at school. I'm crying, like I'm holding on to my parents, like don't make me go. I was that the type of kid you were. Yeah, yeah. I was really, yeah. I was painfully, painfully shy. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that in you today. Um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get in. Yeah, you're shy, mm. but um, the blessing is you're not shy on stage. So, um. Did your dad belt you? I'm just asking only because of reference to Greek upbringing. I got yeah. severely belted. We I got, got belted so hard once dad came into my room and took a picture of Jesus off the wall. I remember you said this on you bit. Yeah. Yeah. And For the goes, spray painting. Yeah. And he goes, I don't want Jesus to see this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he fucking, I had my own blackout. 
Yeah. Um, but you know, we got we got hit. I we got, got it. We got hit. Yeah, yeah. We, my both my parents. What was the weapon of choice? I got the radio. You know the cord, the the extension cord that goes to the radio, the portable radio. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. The. Yeah, no, I can honestly say my parents very rarely used anything but their hands. What about your um, brothers? My, I've just got like a younger brother like and I'm pretty sure he got smacked way more than I did. But I think it was because I learned the first few times. I was just like, oh, that's it. But my brother, you know, yeah, but I think, smarter. yeah, yeah. You, you really are. Yeah. No, they, he just, they just use their hands. Yeah. Um, and I think like the, my dad would use his slipper. So like it's, I remember as a kid, like if we started to play up, he would just shift his foot and the slipper would come off and he just stares at you and yeah. you're like, all right, that's it. That's it. That's it. My dad, it was the belt. But Arabs love the shoe. You guys, <laughs> yeah, at pokies when there's fights between the lepos. First thing they it's do. It's the first one who can undress the shoe to whack each <laughs> yeah. other. And then it's just this shoe off. Shoes are flying. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? And they, one of them goes... In Arabic culture, the shoe is very, very disrespectful. It's disrespectful because yeah. it's on your feet and then you're walking through shit on the streets with it. Yeah, and that's yeah. why Saddam's statue got belted with the shoes. That's right. They yeah. were belting the statue. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, and mid-belting, um, I'd say sorry. And in Greek, they have this saying. Mm-hmm. It's a parable. It's like, what am I going to do with sorry? How does sorry... Sorry is not a currency you can use right now, and that's mid belting. Yeah, yeah. And do you have words in, um, like, uh, terrifying insults in Arabic? Like, um, in Greek, my mum would go, Thasevraso, which means I'm going to fucking boil you. Mm. Or, um, Thasegdaro, which translates to, I'm going to skin you alive. Yeah. As punishment. Real brutal shit. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, had to, I did once in show and tell. Um, for language and um, yeah my mum had to be called in and like this is like medieval torture and I'm like oh. my mum's like it doesn't we don't actually do that to our kids it's just passed it's down threat. it's a threat that was passed down in the vernacular from yeah I don't know the old Greek language yeah yeah they got great terrifying threats yeah and as kids you're like oh my gosh and then afterwards you're just like okay that's just the threat they use but mm. you'd still believe it mm. it's like when I mentioned that one my mum said like I'm going to cover you, your ears in honey and lock you in a room with mice or something yeah. or rats. Like, <laughs> yeah. you think, like, which rooms are going to be? Like, yeah. where, do, you know? Yeah, mm. they do. I'm going to bury you. I'm going to, yeah. Terrifying, terrifying stuff. Mm. And they wonder why we're <laughs> so violent. Yeah. Peace in the Middle East. You can't even get peace at home in Australia. Are you kidding? I oh, know. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with stand-up, you've been going for seven years, not three. This is my seventh, yeah. Seventh year. And uh, do you feel like it's starting to click nicely? Uh, I ask you that because I've seen a change in you in the last few months towards a positive, like a strengthening on stage. Yeah. 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 I um, I feel like I'm getting more desensitized to bombing. I think, and I feel it's nice to feel something when I've, when I've bombed, like when I feel like, oh, that didn't feel nice. I'm like, I'm feeling again. So that feels good. But I think there's probably more, maybe more of a confidence that I've sort of, I've got it. Do you know what I mean? Rather than I'm not in control up there, like something's happening. I'm just this, I'm just that. Maybe there's a bit more control. There's a lot more control. 
Yeah, you're more relaxed on stage.、Mm. Your posture, your physical. There's this relaxation about you, like、yeah. you've just had a massage. You're just <laughs> relaxed up there. Oh, that's nice that that's that's noticed. Yeah, you've mentioned、mm. to me a couple of times, and if someone like you's noticed it, then that's that's good. And the crowds see it,、mm. and I think it's a big thing for a crowd to see it because it helps with、uh, the unsaid. Yeah, they just instinctively trust you more. Yeah, and I think I instinctively probably trust them because I feel like, I think at the beginning I'm like they're about to turn on me any second now. Yeah, like I'm always like they're going to turn again. There's so much more of them than there is of me. Yeah, you know.、But. Do you do you have、uh, moments in stand up where you feel you've got it, then you lose it, then you've got it, like that mojo of, like I'll have a run of very good gigs and I'm like, wow, I'm feeling good, and then the mojo will just fall off a cliff and I have to. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's actually nice that you've been doing it that long and you still feel that. Yeah, it's never gonna go away. I don't think. I don't、yeah. think it ever will go away. I'd、yeah. like it to, but then if it does go away, maybe it becomes too boring.、Mm. You need that. Yeah, it has to be. Otherwise, it would just be so chill. Like you'd never have to worry, and that worry is probably like what gives the most energy. I think.、Mm. Like those nerves. I freak out if I'm not nervous. Yes. Do you know? Because I'm like, oh, why am I not nervous? Like this is gonna go bad. I'm gonna,、oh, I'm getting cocky. That's what it is, and I, I flip out. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I have moments. I don't have moments where I, when I feel like, oh, I've got it. But I have moments where I feel like, it's when I, it's when I'm trying a new bit and it's working. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this is, I think I, I think I've got this. Like I think, I know how to build on this now. But then. Then you try another new bit and you eat shit and I'm just like this is shit I'm not good at this I'm good for twenty minutes like comedy's over, but yeah I dip. Do you think do you think stand up is important for your overall mental health? Like do you think you could be happy with your life if you abandoned it? Do you think you could find another something to do that would fill the void, or do you think I need to do this now because the buzz it gives me when it goes well、mm. makes me feel. Good about life, about a sense of purpose that I'm doing something good. That's me, obviously being subjective. Yeah, yeah. No, I I do. Like I've always um. I think once I came out of my shell, I'm like, oh, like I love performing. Like it's all I want to do all the time. Were you performing when you were a young kid, like this shy girl? Obviously, yeah. In, even in, not in primary school, but at home, were you performing to your parents? Um, maybe not to my parents, but I would like when I came out of my shell. It was like kids at school, or I'd be I'd do an accent, or I'd do like、right. a I'd mimic someone, or I'd do an impression, or something like that. Who would、um, you impress? Was one of your teachers? Do you remember? Sometimes I'd do a teacher. Sometimes I would do like someone that was on TV, or I remember like I think the first one I even tried like there was. Do you remember the show Rocco's Modern Life? Like、no. I don't. There was it was this cartoon we used to always watch it, and like I would. I I just do a voice from that, and they were like, "Oh, that's so good!" And then you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm just, oh wow! Like people like me, and it's like, "Oh, that's nice." It's good. Yeah, 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 like it's sort of like I would come out of my shell, but it was always humor because I had to survive.、Mm. And like, I'm not going to be like the pretty blonde girl in primary school that like all the boys are like, "I'll help you with your bag or whatever." Like you know, you, there's there's got to be something else about you because like you might be like smart or you might be, you know, doing well. You might be cool in art or whatever.、Mm. Um, But like funny humor was a different thing altogether, because funny girls wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like funny girls, like no one's gonna be like, oh, 
yeah, there's this girl, I'm in grade five and she's so funny. Like it's no one's going to be talking about a funny girl in a primary school setting. So mm. to have that was a little bit of an edge because you, you do get described as the funny kid, you know, and you're funnier than the boys. It's usually a class clown is a male. But then I had that. So I was like, oh, I'll take it. Do you know? Yeah. So you were bestowed by the other kids as the class clown. Yeah. That's yeah. That's great. But then I'd have like, but then I'd have these like weeks where I'd just be like quiet. Because I like I'm like oh my god I'm shy again I can't do it. Like, no, you had quiet. no new material. It's fine. <laughs> it <laughs> happens like, to all of us. You can't, you can't just do an impression of like a wallaby for that long, yeah. you know. So, yeah. It's yeah. interesting because my path is very similar to yours. I used to impersonate my primary school teachers, then mm. I impersonate my high school teachers, and then yeah. I started impersonating people on yeah TV. You started to do like Arnie and whatever. Arnie, like, do it at lunchtime to yeah. get ten cents. And I'd yeah. go up to Arnie, i go, do you want to hear me do Arnie? Like, not really. I'll do it, but you have to give me 20 cents. I don't want to. Shut up. Give me 20 cents. <laughs> and I'd do Arnie, and I'd collect enough money to buy a hot dog. Yeah, there you go. See? Yeah. So it just, pays off. It's a good feeling because you did that by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good because I always got paid at the end of the gig. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. See? Businessman. He started real quick, really early. <laughs> you the price of a hot dog. Have your parents seen you perform? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like... Is that um, a daunting moment? It was awful. Yeah. It was awful. It was you know, like, my parents still haven't seen me perform. Wow, really? Mm. They realize you're a big deal? I'm not a big deal, but thank you for... Do you know saying. what I mean, though? Like, you, you've done quite well. You've done very well, actually. I mean, you're on radio. Like, it's something. Yeah. So look, I, I'm... I see where you're coming from, but I'm only seeing it through my mother's eyes. And in my mother's yeah. eyes... I am a complete disappointment. And that's funny because in the Greek world, I have no girlfriend, no real proper job from my tertiary qualification at university. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm a complete utter failure. And when I sit around the wog tables at Easter, I relish in just listening to, to them, just open up and roast me it's like a comedy roast you get roasted as well that fucking auntie of yours no octopus this year man <laughs> from an old old boyfriend that knocked every auntie out with amazement when he came with a smoking hot octopus and everyone was in awe of him and then once they broke up the fucking auntie's rubbing salt in mim's wounds every year going no octopus this year man uh, <clears throat> they oh, love roasting no us yeah they do they do so they yeah do. That's why I can't bring my mum to one of my shows because mm. she's like, I'm not leaving the house. You're a disappointment. Mm. <laughs> so it's I'm very like, sweet. Fuck. It's very sweet. It's it's sweet. Like they got, I mean, I can see, I, I get it. You can, I can see where they're coming from, but um, I don't know. It's like a lot of comics, I think. A lot of a lot of ethnic comics like oh my parents are never like I forced my dad out of the house to watch me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good like, for I you. Fo- no, I never again. Did it go well? <laughs> you know what? Actually, it came to Woggy Christmas. That's a good gig. Right? I was I was like, oh, you know, like I've, I'm better than... Because the first night I got the lounge, I was only like... I was very fresh into comedy. I didn't expect to get the lounge so soon. Yeah. And I thought it'll never happen again. So it was like my seventh ever gig. So I was like, oh, oh my God. I'm like, I'm excited. It's never going to happen. And I was at work that day and I called my parents and I was like... Um, you, you tonight you got to come to the comics lounge, blah, 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 blah. And my dad's like, why? And I'm like, I, I'm on there. I'm on. I got the comics lounge tonight because I was told that day. 
and so and I couldn't concentrate on work for the rest of the day because I was like, oh my yeah, god, like, this can't. is like, it was bizarre, and I was freaking out. And I think I'd only been on that stage once before to do like class clowns way back when I was in like eighteen or whatever. And then my dad's like, oh, we'll see. And I go, no, you don't understand. This is a big fucking deal and you need to come. It's never going to happen again because I'm like, it's never going to happen. And then they came that night. And look, it was okay. And then I thought by the time I did Boggy Christmas, like I would have improved a little bit. It was a few months later. And so you were on that night and George Capanyaris and Gab Rossi. And I think that was it. And then me. Was it just the four of us, I think? I can't remember. But that if was, I can't remember, it means you must have done well. It was, you came from the UK. You were just, you were just back like fresh from the UK that year. So it was 2016. I would remember obviously because it was my first year and because my memory is freaky. But like, I think it was just the four of us. And then when I came off and my, like my dad was there that night with like the family and everything. I remember I was like, what did you think? And he goes, he goes, um... He goes, you were the worst one on, but they have a lot of experience. <laughs> he just left it at that. Wow. And I was like, I've been doing comedy like eight months. These men are like, I go, this is 10, 15, 20 years of experience. I go, are you kidding? I'm like, come on. Like, I, like, come on. Like, how about, like, and it, what he was trying to say was, you shit, but look where you are. Yeah. You know, so you got to like take it. You just got to take it. Yeah, you got to take it. But my God, that is like, uh, I don't know what that is. Is that being. That's a positive and a negative rolled into one. Yeah, it's Arabs. That's Arabs, man. That's Arabs. Oh, you look beautiful except for your nose. Or like, you'd look really nice if you didn't have so many freckles. Like, you know. Um, oh, fuck. But yeah, so. But I don't take him personally because, like, he doesn't. The impact of words is not. Yeah. Do you know, like, the knowledge or the awareness of that is not a strong point. Yeah, like, I'm. I don't take my mum seriously. Like, I know my mum loves me and all her comments about me being a disappointment. It's just, mm. you have to let her say it. Because I know deep down, she's never going to understand the generation I am from. No. And what I define as a, a successful life. Yeah. So she's never going to come along. But it's fine. As long as she's happy. She's yeah. got something new to worry about. <laughs> That's all. Do you, you live off that. They live off it. They live off it, man. <gasps> Did you hear what happened? Yeah. As soon as that starts, I'm like, spill the tea, girl. Yeah. Tell me what's up. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, I'll wait. F my mum will be at home doing the dishes, and I'll have a cup of tea, and I'll be like, oh, mum, you should have seen what I heard today. And she'll just stop, turn the, dish, turn the dishes off, the water, and turn the Greek radio off at the PowerPoint, <laughs> and then turn around and go, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love my favorites when they grab the tea towel yeah. and they sit down, they're still drying their hands. Like, what happened? What happened? Do you want tea? What happened? <laughs> and they do that big one. <gasps> the reveal. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> no way. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Because you got to think about them in their heyday. What was it like back then? Because surely they weren't as like wound up as they are now. No. You know? Can you imagine your mum as a free spirit, as a free soul, do you know? Like before the marriage, before kids, before there was real stuff to worry about. I don't you know? understand. Like sometimes I think my mum, like it's the only person she's ever known is my dad. Mm. You know, just one boyfriend, one husband and her social life was, that's it together. But what, so how old was she when they got married? Or like how long? 18. Because they would have like married quickly, right? Like Very soon quickly. after meeting. My mum came to Australia. She was working 
get this, she was working in a molten steel factory stamping mm. cutlery in Port Melbourne. Yep. That's brutal. Yeah. And she met my dad and they got married. It was like 18. They met at a Greek dance mm. where yep. they just, in one night, they just paired them all up and that's it. That's it. It's so amazing to think now that it's like we have all these processes. Let's chat first and go to dinner and then in a few months, maybe... <laughs> Whereas in, back then it was like, oh, in 15 minutes, I'll find a wife. That's yeah. it. And then the dance is over. Oh so God. pair the fuck up. When are they going to pair up 36-year-olds at a dance? Yeah. Because I'm ready. <laughs> Do you know? And, well, if you let, maybe the WOGs need to open a dating agency. Instead of Tinder and all these stupid apps, WOGs run the dating company. Girl, that's called church. St. Nicholas in church. Collingwood. Yeah, go to that's, church. It's there. That's what my mum says to me. She goes, you want, you want a girl? Come to church with me on Sunday. Yeah. You should probably give it a go. Because I'm too liberal. I'll, yeah, but I'll not... start having points about Jesus. Like, I love Jesus, but I can't take that step that he did all these wonderful miracles. No, I'm not, I'm not saying go there you know for the I mean? religion. So I'm saying you work. could meet a girl who's probably just there to find a husband as well. Maybe she's just as freaky. You never know. <laughs> They're not always there for religion. True. You know what I mean? Like you would, your church would be very similar to mine. Like they go there dressed in their best and like, mm. do you know what I mean? Do you go to church? No, I stopped going. Yeah. Because of these reasons, I yeah. don't. Go. You're Orthodox, right? Yeah. Greek Orthodox. No, sorry, I apologize. It's Greek Orthodox. Okay. I mean, it would have been Syrian Orthodox, but when we came here, there was no Syrian Orthodox churches. So it's Greek. We went to Greek Orthodox church. Yeah. But it's now I think it's called Syrian Antioch. I uh, can't remember, but it's yeah. 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 Same thing. Same thing. So you should go, even just for material one day. Yeah, I should. I got. I went in Easter. It's Doesn't good. Count. To you got to go on a regular Sunday where everyone's forgotten about. Do the Syrians do the cheat the church Easter dash at midnight? We just rock up to get the light. Do you do that? No, there's a whole there's a whole mass, and then we have to like walk around. The, you have that's to walk Friday. around the church three times. Yeah, Friday night. We, yeah, that's right. And you walk around the church three times, and then <laughs> have you heard that? We used to do it in uh, Coburg, and yeah. it was a blockbuster video in the middle, and we boxed. All these Aussies in who came to get an overnight release because there's this fucking conga line of Greeks doing a lap around the block and all these poor Aussies were just going, I'm just trying to get to me fucking car, mate. What's going and on? And all of like the... the um, Greeks with an epitaph and candles. Yes. They're like, fuck, what's it's going terrifying. on? It's a cult. It'll be terrifying for them. Mm. I was talking to my cousin um, at Easter recently and he was like, do you remember the year we went to Midnight Mass and... We were like going around the church because like, you know, I don't know if it's the same for you, but like you go around three times. Is that to signify the three days that Jesus was dead? Oh, was then, it? Okay. And then you knock, um, you, you knock on the church or the priest knocks on the church door and then it opens and it's like, ah, like he's risen, you know? And then right. I believe that's what it was about. It was a long, it's a long time, but remember this one year it was a freezing night. <laughs> We'd walked around the church three times and he's doing the like the mass and you know how that it sounds and so we'd gone around, around, around and then he went to the door and like the, the priest knocks. It's like boom, boom, boom and like then it's supposed to just, you know, magically open and then we're all like, Oh, Jesus and you know, anyway, so the door didn't open <laughs> and he's got his little microphone, you know, and he's like he knocks again, doesn't open and I remember like I turned to my cousin and I'm like, Jesus isn't up yet, like what are, like what's the girl? I'm like I'm freezing, like you know, and I'm in heels, and and then like you hear him, like because he's got his little mic, and yeah, he like in mic. Arabic, 
he's like leaned into the door and he go in Arabic he's just like open the door <laughs> <laughs> and we could hear him on the mic because it's all through the speakers he's like open <laughs> and then like you hear someone scrambling and then like the door finally opens but he was so angry and it was just it was so funny like we were laughing about it for ages on Easter when we remembered it yeah, no shit. Yeah. That'll get him so angry because that's his big gig, man. That's his big closer. That is. That's his headliner. That that's one his, and Christmas. Yeah, that's his big finish. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fucked it. They couldn't open the fucking door for him. He had one job, one man. One job. That was the my kid, last joke. The kid inside, all he had to do was just open the door and like after the big walk and he's cold, it's like it's all going to be worth it because everyone's going to be like, yeah. Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, fuck. Sorry. Yeah. So do you like, uh, are you enjoying starting to gigging out now, like regional Victoria? Are you enjoying those gigs? Um, I, st- I go out there with the same anxieties. Yep. Um, I found little things to do to tweak in my set, things that I say to feel more comfortable. Yeah, good. Because um, it is a different beast than the city. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, was, I was really at ease, I think. Uh, the last time when I went to, um, where's the place that I went with Ev Bendigo? after Mildura? No, there was Mildura and then there was another one. It was, it was a suburb I hadn't heard of and I was really like, oh. Kerrang? Kerrang, right? Yes. The one that you had done. Yeah. And they still, you know what? Like, I feel like I do everything after you, like a few months after you. And every time I'm there, they're like, oh, this bald guy was out here last time. He was fucking, he was fucking good, mate. What was his name? And I'm like, Johnny Katz. And they're just like, yeah, fuck. Oh, mate. He fucking, he blew the roof off this place. Like they always like, they uh, they did at Ocean Grove. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's amazing. Um, but they all seem to know you. Like, cause I just, I think I'm like that step behind. Like after you've yeah, done the gig the, for some the reason. the rostering. In the rostering. Yeah. yeah. So, Kerrang. I was kind of worried. Cause I was like, I've never heard of it. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And. I'm just like, oh, God. And I always have this fear of, like, like on Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, when the drag queens are out in, like, the desert. Yeah. And, like, they walk in and, like, everything just goes quiet. And yeah. everyone's, like, staring at them. Because I had a bit of an experience like that with Izzy once, where, like, it was just, like, cockroaches. You're just like, mm. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, it was like, oh, like, you know, because he's black and I'm this. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you just don't know. And I just remember I was like, is he? And then he's just like, he's like, don't worry, memes, don't worry. I feel it too. Like, I was like, thank you. Oh, fuck. You know, so I, was, I always get this, like, anxiety about it. And then, yeah, after I got yelled at in Bendigo. and But then these people were just so... They were just so loving and kind and generous um, that I felt guilty for ever having worried in the first place. Um, well, you were just sort of, you know, um, what's that saying? For like, you were just hurt. You were just hurt once. That's all. Like, you had that shit experience in Bendigo. Do you, do you want to talk about that briefly, or do you not want to bring that up? No, it's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. So that was a shit shit time for a comic, any comic to go through. Yeah. Um, yep. It was, yeah. Uh, so, do you want me to say what happened? Like, if you don't mind. Like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. So I was there with, yeah, Sharplin, Paul Sharplin, and Justin Fleming had booked me for the gig and John Dor. And so we'd gone out there. So I was like, it was three white males and me. Three white males I feel relatively safe with. So I was that was fine. Like, And I didn't think twice at the time. I'm just like, oh, cool. Okay, I have to get here at this time after work. We're getting in Dor's car. We're headed to Bendigo for a gig. Didn't think anything past that. Um and yeah, so we got there and I was in the courtyard area having a cigarette and, um, 
there was a bunch of men that were just, they were talking and they were saying things like, oh, the fucking muzzies coming through here and they were referring to them as muzzies and then they threw in some N-words when they were describing other people and I was like, I felt, I was like, this has to be a joke. Like someone's got me on camera to be like, surely she's hearing this and let's see what her reaction is because I was so, I haven't, I mean, I've been... Were they referring um, to you guys, the lineup? On no, the poster, no, they were just talking. The general, no. like just okay. So. There was no poster with nothing. I, I mean, I came to find out that it was a really like nasty part of Bendigo, apparently. So I just uh, some the the ghetto part. I don't know. I didn't, had no idea. I would have no idea. Um, yeah, because no, I've done lovely gigs there, but you know, I'm I'm the right skin tone, maybe. Yeah. To... Well, I mean, I, like with um, so I think Billy had mentioned me to Cody, and then Cody had booked me. And this other one, and that crowd was actually really nice in Bendigo. Like, they were fine. I didn't yeah, feel I, that. Yeah, I did that one on Thursday. It was lovely. Yeah, they were lovely. So, um, you know, but then, yeah, so this one, I think we were just, I was hearing them talk and I was like, this is a bit bizarre. Like, that's unusual. Because, like, I mean, yeah, racism, like, you deal with it all the time, but it's usually a lot more subtle than that. And you don't hear those words being spoken with such venom. And it felt real and they, I felt hatred, not towards me. They were talking amongst themselves, but there was anger and there was rage And there was this energy in their little pocket where they were sitting. Anyway, I went back inside and then tried not to think of it. I'm like, just don't think of it. Just you're going to get up and do your thing. Um, And so I got up and I think uh, back then, because it was so so long, I used to open with like I'm Middle Eastern and I just say it so that I could set the tone for the rest of my set and all the Arab jokes that were coming. And then, yeah, I said, I'm like, I'm Middle Eastern. And then that same group of men, they were standing at the back of the room and then one of them was just like, oh, fuck this shit, and then slams his hand down really loudly on the table and walks out. And the others walked out with him, like the other, I think there was about five of them all together, and they walked out. And I was like, fuck, like that happened five seconds into my set and I still have nine and a half minutes left. Like, Jesus And Christ. I'm like, how am I going to do it? Like, are they going to come back out? Are they going to come say something? Are they going to... And this is all running through your head at the same time as you're preparing jokes. Correct, Like yeah. saying your bits. Correct. And Jeez. I'm like, how am I going to do 10 minutes? Like, what am I going to... I kept going and it made it easier because like there was... The audience were receptive. They were laughing. But there was this... There was this like, yeah, there was this heaviness on my shoulders because I'm like, these people literally just walked out because of the race that I said that I was. And it was really, it was a really bizarre feeling. Like I was suddenly back in primary school being bullied for where I was from. And I was just like, like it was, it's this weird panic that sets in and you're like, I'm a kid again and I'm freaking out. And like, what, do you know what I mean? Like, how am I going to sit here and make people laugh when I'm like, what's going to happen to me in a second? You know, someone needed to hand you a kanga cricket bat. <laughs> then that table would have fucking copped it. I would have taken all five of them, bro. I would have been all... See how I get angry? I would have taken five of them, bro. I would have fucking taken all of them. Try <laughs> it with me. You would have woken up in Melbourne. Don't worry, Mim, you had a blackout. It's all good. Don't worry. Don't bring it up to Mim. <laughs> I'm going to be at the cop shop. My dad's there. Did you really beat up five men with a bat? <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know. <laughs> so this time around, uh, they just fucked off and they didn't give you any more lip for the rest of the gig? No, they okay. came back inside when yeah. I was off the stage. Did, you, did they make you feel uncomfortable later on? No. They didn't come near me. That's good. There was nothing. I sort of just sat in the corner until the whole night was done. Mm. And then at the end, like, yeah, it was, I mean, everyone else was fine. But, I mean, I should have known there was, like, the little the little flyers on the tables for, like, you know, the, uh, what's it called? Like, the Farmers Union, like, the whole Pauline Hansen movement and the, I forget what it's called. That, um. One Nation? It, yeah, but, you know, like, the, oh, my God. I forget it. It's like a political thing about like farmers first and 
not to say all farmers are racist, but there's a there was a particular little thing going on at the time, and I forget what it was, but it mm. was, yeah. And I was like, oh, like they're they're Hanson supporters. Like I remember looking at it, going, oh, they're Hanson supporters. For sure. You know, so. But I pushed all that out of my head because I'm like, I'm going to psych myself out before I have to get up. Yeah, true. So I just I pushed out the little flyers that I was seeing about them mm. being Hanson supporters, and I was pushing out what I'd heard in the courtyard, and I was like, just do the thing. And you did it. And I did it. I did it. And it's almost like I was waiting for something to happen and it happened at the very start. Yeah. But I thought it would happen like halfway through my set, happen after. But the, yeah. Those moments are indicative of what defines a professional comedian, I think. Mm. Not the ability to make them laugh all the time, but the ability to put what's going on behind you and just do the job in yeah. front of you. And I think that's a testament to your ability, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's amazing how resilient we are and how professional we can be when there's really crazy stuff going on, you mm. know, like really crazy stuff, like bad news that you've just, I know you've mentioned like your dad having a stroke before when you were doing um, mm. the Austria gig. Is that when? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So like there's, there's stuff like that that's happened or like I hear something, I'm in something, I rock up to a gig crying. Like there's like, there's so much that's there. And then as soon as you get on stage, it's like flick it off and you do it and then you come off and you're like, okay, I'm me again. And then you drive home. <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a profound, it's, that feeling is why I think I will always be doing stand-up because no matter what's going on in my life, as soon as I'm on stage, I'm only ever in the present. Mm. Nothing is coming to the forefront of my mind. No other thought other than what am I going to say next? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a meditation in a way you know how when you meditate you listen to your breathing mm. it's like stand up when you're on stage you're only focused on the gig yeah. you can't think about what am i going to eat tomorrow for dinner if you're doing that then you're doing stand up wrong um, how many times like the moment that my my mind wanders i've i lose the crowd i lose what i'm saying i'm just like where the fuck was i what yeah. just happened then i'll say something stupid because they feel it. They, they they pick up on it. There's this amazing sixth sense that the audience have. They're not even aware of it, but it's this element that, yeah, they, they know when you're not authentic yeah. or not interested or dead behind the eyes because you've done this joke a billion times. Mm. Mm. 100%. 100%. Mm. I remember like once um I was doing a gig and I had been broken up with someone that meant so much to me. Like I was just so, I was so broken. It's that one person that you're broken over forever. And I was so broken. And I remember like I hadn't seen him. There'd been no contact. It was like he didn't exist anymore. And it was like this deep, deep sadness in this hole. And like, I just remember I rocked up to a gig and his mum was in the front row. Like after a whole year of me, not oh, two years even, we hadn't spoken. It's like, you know, it was just, you always think of him and you're just sad. And I'm just like two years had passed and his mum was in the front row. And I remember I got on stage and she's the first thing I saw. And I'm just like, is he here? But his mum's here. Yeah. Like, And his mum didn't know much about me. And I'm just like, oh, like this is. And I did the set and it went well. But like I remember I got off and I was just real shaky. I was just like, oh, man. Like, like his mum was right there. Like it was really. But it's amazing how much can just stop. But I'm like, don't think about it. Just do the do the thing, do the thing. Yeah, it's very difficult. For those who don't do stand-up, it's like the episode where Seinfeld couldn't take his eyes off the pilot. <laughs> like, it just something happens. If you see one person, it can throw your gig. And also, comedians have an amazing ability to tune in on that one person that's not laughing. Yeah. Even though the whole room <clears throat> is bouncing, 
you'll always look at that one person. With their arms crossed. It's bizarre. Um, i got to go. i got to go to the brunny. Sweet as. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming.